hello. <laughs> oh, that was cool. Thank you for the praise and worship and um, time where we can spend time together worshiping God. Um, Easter Sunday, it's a real special, it's a special time for, um, for us on our calendar because it's the time when we remember that Jesus died for us. And, um, and, and I, I want to uh, talk about that today. So I, you know, the Messiah was prophesied um, and anticipated by the people of Israel for centuries leading up to his birth. Um, he began his ministry at the age of 30, and in just three years, he basically turned the world upside down. <laughs> people came by the thousands to listen to him, to hear him speak and to see the healings and miracles and signs and wonders that would happen. And his disciples followed him really closely. They had such a unique insight into Jesus because they knew him in a way that few others knew him. And they, they were excited about the future. And then what happened, though? He was arrested, he was mocked, he was beaten, he was whipped, and then he was finally crucified. Um, and can you imagine how upset they must have felt by that? Because it wasn't what they were expecting. And, and to them, it probably felt like the enemy had won. But do you know what? Jesus' life and death and resurrection wasn't a random occurrence. It was not something that took God by surprise. In fact, all of that, his, his, his life, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, were intentional right from the start. And that's something that the disciples didn't understand. And sometimes when we think things should go a certain way and they don't, it's because God sees the bigger picture. About 1,600 years before Jesus was born, Moses and the people of Israel escaped out of Egypt. And God gave Moses, after that had happened, some very precise instructions for the building of the tabernacle, which was a movable tent. It was a place of worship and sacrifice, and it was made around about a year after they escaped from Egypt. And he also gave specific instructions to Moses about how to build the Ark of the Covenant as well, which was to go inside the tabernacle. And also instructions for its cover, the cover of the Ark as well. And, and he even went to such precision with the instructions as to how even the garments that the priests wore had to be made was very, very detailed. Inside the tabernacle was what they called the holy place and then separated by a thick veil or curtain, I guess you think of it as being, was the most holy place, sometimes called the holy of holies. And that's where God's presence was and uh, that was where the Ark of the Covenant was placed. And the cover of the Ark called the mercy seat or the place of atonement 
was made of pure gold. And it was um, 115 centimetres long, which is just over a metre, so it was probably about that long. And 69 centimetres wide, so that would be about that. And uh, it was made of pure gold. And then, and God even gave precise instructions to, to place, to have two cherubim made of pure gold as well. In fact, they were made and molded into the cover so that the, the cover and the cherubim were one. And they were placed at each end of the, the cover so that um, the cherubim faced each other and they, had, they were looking down at the mercy seat. And their wings were spread over the mercy seat, protecting it. And the, the, the most holy place in the tabernacle was patterned after the most holy place in heaven. The throne of grace. The mercy seat represented the throne of God. And only the high priest was able to go into the most holy place. And he had to prepare himself properly beforehand. Bathing and dressing in holy linen because it was the place where God's presence dwelt and entering the most holy place without proper preparation could mean death for the high priest and you'll see it did happen to two of Aaron's sons once a year on the day of atonement um, well yeah one there would be a time once a year which they called the Day of Atonement. And, I, and before I go much further, I just want to say what atonement means. It's, it's an action taken to correct or make right previous wrongdoing. So each year, two spotless goats were chosen, and one was to be sacrificed as a sin offering, and the other was to become a scapegoat. And, uh, I mean, there were, there were many offerings, but I just want to focus on that. But when an animal was sacrificed, the high priest would take the blood into the most holy place and he'd sprinkle the blood on the mercy seat in order to cover the sins of the people. The high priest would then lay his hands on the head of the live goat. So one of the goats would be sacrificed as a sin offering and the other one was um, not sacrificed. And so the high priest would lay his hands on the head of the, the live goat and he would confess all the iniquities, all the transgressions and all the sins of the people over that goat. But this goat would then be considered unclean and so it would be led out into the wilderness and released there because it was carrying the sins of the nation and it wouldn't be able to come back in. So it was taken well out into the wilderness and that goat was called the scapegoat because it was cast out. Hebrews 9, um, verses 8 to 10, show how, and you can look that up in your own time, show how the atonement of sins under the old covenant was symbolic of the new covenant. And the blood of animals was never enough to wash away sins of the people. The best it could do was cover the sins for a while. Hebrews, 11, uh, sorry, Hebrews 10, 11 says, And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. So that it would be enough to cover the sin for a while. And that's why they had to keep making sacrifices. 
So if we fast forward to the time when Jesus walked the earth, God's plan all along was for his son to be sacrificed for the sins of mankind. And when you think about that, it actually blows your mind when you really, really think about what he did. Hebrews 9.22 says, According to the law, almost all things are purged with blood, and without shedding of blood, there is no remission, no remission of sin. His blood had to be spilt for our sins to be blotted out. Hebrews 9 verses 11 to 15 says, and I won't read that, but it says that Jesus Christ came as high priest. So he came as high priest, not with the blood of goats and calves as was done under the old covenant, but with his own blood. And as high priest, he entered the heavenly holy of holies with his own blood, the place which on earth only the high priest could enter. And Jesus fulfilled the law in every respect. Jesus willingly gave himself as the ultimate sacrifice. So he, he, he played, played, played the part of all of the high priest. He was, you know, the, the sin sacrifice. He was the scapegoat. He was everything. He became the scapegoat, taking the sin of us all on himself. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that, um, Isaiah 53.6 also says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And then this bit here, The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And so like the goat, Jesus was cast out because he was crucified outside the walls of the city of Jerusalem. So he fulfilled the law. So Jesus, he was sent, he is God. Jesus, it says in, in John, he's the word of God. He's the son of God. He's um, truth. He is truth. He was involved in the creation of the world. And yet God, God the Father sent his son Jesus to earth as a man because he knew that only a, a man that could live a completely sin-free life would ever be able to make that sacrifice for us because none of us could ever meet that standard. Um, so he lived a sinless life and, life and he, he was crucified while innocent and he was able to enter the heavenly most holy place and sprinkle his own blood on the mercy seat. It was his blood, his pure sin-free blood, that meant his offering was enough to cover man's sins once and for all. Isn't that awesome? Wow, that's an incredible sacrifice. Hebrews 10:12 says, This man, that's Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice, just one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. So once his blood was poured out on the mercy seat, he sat down because his work was done. It was finished. And so for us, what does that mean? It means he made us right with God. So when we accept what he did on our behalf, we're made right with God. He clothed us in clothes of righteousness or robes of righteousness, it says in Isaiah 61.10. He purified us of all sin so that we can boldly enter the most holy place. 
it says in Hebrews 10.19. And because we've been clothed in righteousness, we can boldly enter the throne of grace. So what's that for? Why would we need to enter boldly? Hebrews 4.16 says, Therefore let us come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy. This is the reason why. That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That sounds pretty good to me. So what happens when we sin? Once we've accepted what Jesus did for us, through his blood being poured out over the mercy seat, our sins are washed away. They're blotted out. And it says in the Bible that God doesn't even remember them. They're actually removed from his memory. He doesn't remember them at all. So he can't be like one of these people that say, I remember when you did that. <laughs> because if anybody ever says that in your mind, that's the enemy saying it, not God. And I know that the, um, the devil does like to do that. Eh? He likes to condemn um, but God doesn't remember our sin, which I think is amazing. So, and, and, and when we unintentionally sin, because that happens too, doesn't it? God forgives us. And if we sin and we know it and we repent, genuinely repent, God forgives us as well. Isn't that so good? It's good news because we're still, we still make mistakes, hey. So, you know, there's nothing that we could ever do to make ourselves good enough. All we have to do is accept what Jesus did. That's all we have to do. Titus 3, 5 says, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us. In other words, not by being good people or by doing good things do we get salvation. We it's not by works. It's simply accepting Jesus. And that's why God will accept anybody. It doesn't make any difference if you've been a good person. It doesn't make any difference if you've been the biggest rat bag that ever was born. Because God sees you the same. All we have to do is accept what Jesus has done. That's all we have to do, just that. It's, it's really... Really, it's a gift, and that's why it calls it a gift in the Bible. So it's never our own actions, and that should actually make you feel relieved. <laughs> because if we were trying to be good enough to make it into heaven, we'd probably never quite get there. Because we uh, make mistakes, don't we? God tells us in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. You know, and we all do sin. And, and because of, you know, like when you work, you earn wages. It's like when you sin, you earn wages as well. But the wages of sin is death, which is not a good wage that you'd want to receive. Um, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. It's a gift. So Jesus paid the full price to buy us back. He redeemed us. And our own sin separated us from God, it did, but through the redemption provided by Jesus, our separation from God was put right. And that's why we've been made righteous. That's what that means, we've been made right with God. Okay? Without the redemption of Jesus, none of us would be right with God. 
And so that's why we can't find God through other religions. We never can because other religions aren't Jesus. And there was only one man that could ever pay the price. And that was a sinless man. And the only person that could do that was God. And so he had to come as a man. And that's why other religions cannot lead to God. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. He made it very plain. The only way is through him. When Jesus died, he went to hell, uh, and the devil thought he'd won. He was having a celebration down there. So happy to have Jesus, the Son of God, in hell. But he did not understand that because Jesus had never sinned, death would not be able to hold him down. He couldn't be held down there. And so Jesus took the keys of hell in the grave off Satan, which is exciting. That would have been a bit of a shock for Satan. He would not have liked that one bit. And he went up to heaven and into the Holy of Holies, as I said before, and he poured his blood every drop of it on the mercy seat, redeeming mankind once and for all, all of our sin. And you know, God says uh, we've been blessed with many things. Psalm 103 says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. And then he says, And don't forget any of his benefits, because what? He forgives our sin, he heals all our diseases, he redeems our life from destruction. Praise God. He crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. He satisfies our mouth with good things so that our youth is renewed like the eagles. Praise God. So because of what Jesus has done, he's redeemed us from... And so we're, we're, we've been redeemed. This is like the extra bonuses of receiving Jesus. And that is um, healing from sickness and disease. It is, it is um, healing from grief and sorrows. It is, uh, it, it is meaning that there's no more poverty or lack. There's abundance and overflow and increase in uh, It means that sin no longer has any hold over us because we're made right with God. And so, as I said before, Jesus' blood didn't just cover our sin. It actually blotted it out. So it removed it entirely as if it had never been. And so that is a really cool way. I, I, I think that is, well, obviously it's the only way, but I'm just thankful that he did that. So that when we die as well, if it's like bonus number, how many numbers, we end up in heaven one day when we pass away as well. And that's what salvation really is. Jesus did all of this for us. Did it all for us, and give offered it as a gift to every man, woman, and child. But you know what? All you have to do is receive it. You just have to say, "Yeah, okay." I'm super, I'm super. So, <clears throat> I'm just going to finish off by um, giving you an opportunity to receive Jesus. And I know that a lot of you already know him, but uh, there might be some of you that don't. Or there might be people in here that 
had slipped away. But I'm going to say a prayer, and if you, if you, what I said struck a chord with you, then just genuinely mean it when you say this prayer. So I'll get everyone to say this. If you could close your eyes. Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again. You spilt your own blood and poured it out on the mercy seat as a sacrifice for my sin. Jesus, I accept you as my Lord and Saviour. I choose to put my faith and my confidence in you. I choose to put my life in your hands. Amen. You know, um, God is a good God. He, he is absolutely good. Absolutely good. There is no bad in him. He never causes anything bad to happen to people. Ever. Ever. And so, um, if you've made that decision, I think that's fabulous, and I'd really like to talk to you. Um, I'd like to have give people a chance if you if you have received Jesus, come and see me at the front shortly. Uh, we have something for you if, if it's the first time you've done that. Um, but also, I want to open up for anyone that needs prayer. Um, we do have cup of tea and coffee out in the cafe and there are some hot cross buns for you to celebrate Easter with us so I'd really encourage you to do that if you would like to go out that's fine just go out really quietly though because we want to be able to pray we want to keep retain the atmosphere of God in here we want to um, allow room for the Holy Spirit to move okay so um, God bless you have a wonderful time this afternoon with your family and tomorrow. Um, I, I'll just pray over you. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for every person here, every family represented. I thank you, Father God, that you, your son Jesus died on the cross for us. We are so grateful for it, Lord. You're a wonderful God. You're, you're almighty God, and yet you've decided to uh, do what you've done to make us part of your family. And Lord, you've made us your sons and daughters. We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. So I speak life, I speak healing, I speak um, blessing and abundance and overflow over every single person represented, uh, and the families represented here in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for blessing and life over all these families in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. And uh, as I say, if you want to go and have a cup of tea or coffee, you are most welcome to do that. We would love to see you. We would love, please, please stick around. We'd love to talk to you. And, uh, and uh, again, if you do go out, that's cool. Um, that'd be great. We'd like to be praying for you as well. So come on up if you'd like some prayer and God bless.